It's Wednesday night. We are talking about a number of things on Wednesday night. We're talking about predestination. We're talking about light and darkness. We're talking about the spirits in prison. When you mention all of these things, predestination, pro horizo. Predestination has to do with light. See if I can kind of run down some of these things. Has to do with light. It comes from the word pro, which means before. It's our word pre. It's a prefix pre on any of our words. Horizo, this little diacritical mark here, diacritical mark is a breathing sound. If you'll notice in the Greek alphabet there are no H's but you get your H sound from ho the breathing horizo. So actually this actually says when the Bible says for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of Christ. Well, Christ has to do with light. Jesus said, I am the light. Light. Light has to do with truth. When you enlighten someone, you cause light to come to their mind. And the Bible says that the word of God is light. The word is the light, and the uh, when you think of the word tongue, tongue, as it's used in the Bible, has to do with light, and particularly, uh, and particularly. The word utterance is a word that has to do with light. And the spirits in prison has to do with light. You can go on and on with this just all day long. The word prison, forgiveness, has to do with light. The light is the truth. It's the word of God. When the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. It says, for whom God did prognosco, or have a personal intimate relationship with uh, prognosco gnosko is our word know when you look at somebody and say I know him I know her 
You're riding down the road, you see someone. That's what that means, gnosko. So the ones that God knew before the foundation of the world, those are the ones that he's predestined are predetermined for the horizon. The word horizon is what the word horizon means. It means to predetermine for the light. And the light being truth, being truth. Did we put that down there? Thy word is truth. Truth is the light. Truth is the light. That means to enlighten and so forth. And for whom he did for and all he also did predestinate to be conformed. Conformed. To be conformed is the word sumarphos, S-U-M-M-O-R-P-H-O-S. Morphos comes from the word morphe, means to be shaped. Sum means with. It sum is more than just with. It means to bleed blended together with. You're blended with each other in the light. You cannot come to a knowledge of understanding things without fellowship with God's people. Fellowship, Paul said, I mean, know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Uh, Fellowship has to do with suffering for Christ. And fellowship is the word koinonia, K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. And that means to partake or have communion with not communion of sitting around drinking crackers, drinking grape juice and eating crackers, to commune like we're doing right here. So communion has to do with being shaped into the likeness, likeness of Jesus. Of Jesus. Now, Christ is the light of the world. The light is the word. And what does tongues, what does forgiveness have to do with light? Well, the horizon is the boundary of light and darkness. Have you ever noticed you can't see the horizon when you're in the dark? You can only see the horizon when you're in the light. The word forgiveness a p h e s i s that's the word forgiveness <clears throat> and it means to pardon and release from prison and let me go ahead and say this a pardon is not a parole a pardon is where all of your your sins or your crimes are washed away. If, they, if you're in prison and they pardon you, they write it, they wipe it all off the books as though you had never committed the crime. That's how these people are pardoned when they check this DNA 
they've had at least 13% of prisoners released from prison, and that's the ones that they knew were not guilty because they would check their DNA. And before they got this DNA perfected, this was just one man's research. He said there's no telling how many people go to prison simply by a set-up deal. Once a lot of these prosecuting uh, district attorneys prosecute somebody and get them guilty, they don't want to empty that cell and they don't even care if they're actually innocent or not. But we've had at least 13% of people pardoned, and when they'd be pardoned, they'd wipe it away, and it means to release from prison. Well, prison has to do with light. Prison is the word fulake. Fulake means the division of day and night or light light and darkness of light and darkness the division so when you are forgiven and forgiveness is not free there has to be repentance repentance means to be turned by God because you can't turn yourself none seeks after God you have to be turned by God and when you're turned by the Lord you become ashamed but you have to be rebuked it takes rebuke by God to cause a man to repent by God to cause a man to metanoia is the word word repent metanoia I want you to notice tonight all the words that are related in meaning to each other all these have to do with light and dozens of more words so if you if you're pardoned then you repent and you turn from darkness to light you haven't that's not your choice that's God's choice metanoia is the word repent and it means to be turned and think differently and if you think differently you quit thinking of darkness and you start thinking of light and the way you're going to be able to tell this is by what the Bible says about what repenting is. Since there's none that seeketh after God, and you cannot turn yourself away from sin or darkness, God has to turn you away. And my favorite definition for repentance is over in Jeremiah 31, verse 18. Jeremiah 30. This is my favorite verse on repentance. 18 and 19 I have surely heard Ephraim that's northern Israel at this point in Jeremiah northern Israel has been carried in captivity Ephraim bemoaning himself thus thou hast chastised me and I was chastised as a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke he says 
the tribes of Ephraim are saying, not one tribe, Ephraim is all of northern Israel at this point. It's the ten tribes. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned. Only God can turn us. For thou art the Lord my God, and thou art the Lord my God. Surely after that I was turned by God, then I repented. Nor some means to sigh, or to be strongly, be sorry, or pitiful. And after that I was instructed. After God turns you, you'll start learning the truth, and you'll be interested in the truth. I smote my thigh. That's a very personable thing. When they would smite the thigh, they would place the hand up on a man's testicles. And they'd say, I testify to this. I promise on my children, on my children's children. They do that in a mob movie. I swear uh, on my children, on their children, that I am going to do such and such or so and so. That is what testify comes from. So he was saying, you will swear allegiance to God when you repent. Thou hast, he says, after I repented, I was instructed. You'll be, remember the word disciple is the word mathetes in the Greek. I'll be instructed. I'll learn. A disciple was a learner, and the Bible says faith is substance. Substance hypostasis means understanding, but none understands. So God has to put understanding in you. So when you have faith, you understand and you learn. And without a daily cross, you can't do that. So whenever you are repentant, you're carrying a daily cross and you're learning. That would apply right here. I repented and after that I was instructed. I smoked my thigh. I was ashamed. If you hadn't been ashamed of the way you've lived, you're not repentant. I have a great deal of shame in my life. And I'm thankful God doesn't remember it, but I can't forget it. Even confounded because I did bear the reproach of my youth. He's saying, I took the blame for my youth. If you never take the blame and say the fault is mine. If you always point a finger at somebody that hurt you and did you wrong, then you're not really repentant. You can say, I deserve that. I've been punished less than I nicknames deserve. And you can try your best to rectify what you did wrong by helping somebody. Now, so we're talking about light. Light is truth. Truth. That's the Word of God. It is a releasing from prison. Now, when we get into this, you've got to go back to the spirits in prison. The spirits, this is the most difficult. If you ask any professor in the world, what's the most difficult verse in the Bible? A majority of them will say the spirits in prison. Over in First Peter, let's go there. First Peter. This has to do with tongues, believe it or not. That's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? Okay, First Peter. 
First Peter three and where do I need to start here? Verse seventeen. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well doing than for evil doing. If you suffer for if you have to be put in jail because you robbed a grocery store, then you deserve to be there. For Christ also has suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. He was just, we were unjust, we were not justified, we were not innocent, we were guilty. That he might bring us to God. This last phrase is the most, one of the most important parts of this. This will tell you what, how the spirits in prison were preached to. For Christ hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Now this has put to death, quickened by Spirit. These, this phrase here, put to death and quickened, can be summed up with one word. When someone is put to death and brought back alive, what do you call that? That's resurrection. Resurrection means to come to life. It's the word anastasis. It means to come to life after dying and we die daily and we come back to life every day what are these spirits in prison let's continue reading by which by which is conjunctions it's it is a subordinate conjunction by which put to death and quickened is the means. If you say the means, it's the same thing as saying by which. So put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit is the means by which by which also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. The means by which Christ preached to the spirits in prison. The resurrection, and the Bible says that the resurrection is the gospel. The gospel is the means by which Christ preached. The gospel preached to the spirits Spirits in prison. Boy, I can't write tonight. The gospel is the means by which Christ preached. Preached. Preached is a is a arist indicative verb. An arist indicative is a past 
verb. But remember, in a past tense verb, in an aorist indicative verb, it can happen in the past. It always starts in the past. And it can start in the past, but you have a consumative, aorist indicative. You have a consumative. That means it happens once in the past, and it's completed in the past. It's completed. It happens one time. Completed. That would be like saying Jesus died on the cross. Well, that would be past. Me dying daily would be would be this is one time and it depends on what the text is going to call for. Then you had an ingressive and you had a constitutive a constitutive an ingressive now a constitutive means it's constant and all of the context will tell if it ends or not all of the context of scripture do we ever quit dying daily no we never quit dying daily. And ingressive, now I know that from real estate. Sold real estate for 17 years. If a guy owns a piece of property, in fact, I, I listed a piece of property one time like this. Back here behind the property was what you call a landlocked property. There was no roads to it. All the property around it blocked them from going in or out. So the law of Tennessee says that this man here that's right in front of it somewhere has to give an ingress into that land. That means a movement, a continual movement into it. But ingressive, it's real difficult to tell the difference between an ingressive and a constative because they both have basically the same meaning. Uh, take some really good experts to help us define that. But the point is, they both are continual movement. So over here preached, the resurrection by which Christ preached, is he still preaching to the spirits in prison? It depends on who the spirits in prison are. Let's erase this. Who are the spirits in prison? They are the Gentiles. The spirits in prison. This is a subject you can't get any preachers to deal with. You can't even hardly get a doctor of theology to deal with it. Uh, Pat Robertson tried to deal with it. And I thought, what a nimble brain. Pat Robertson had his little... Uh, session with his congregation and they're all sitting in this studio and and one man raised his hand and said and pat robertson yes brother so and so and the guy stood up looked like a doctor or something or some uh head of a company and he said brother pat 
did Jesus go down to hell and preach to the spirits in prison? And you can see beads popping out on on Pat Robertson's forehead. Oh, gosh. That question that nobody wants to answer. And he said the stupidest thing I've ever heard a preacher say anywhere about anything. He said, yes, uh, uh, Jesus went down and uh, opened the door of hell and told everyone in the Old Testament, you can repent and come out of prison. And some of them were saying, no, we like it here. We're down here in South Hell. We're getting a tan. God, what idiocy. I thought, golly, that doesn't even merit somebody writing to him and saying, you're dumb. I thought, good grief. To pardon and release from prison, there has to be a forgiveness. Let's go over here. Let's go to my favorite verse concerning the spirits in prison. Over in Isaiah. Isaiah's entire since I'm on the subject of the light, everything that Isaiah preached was about God, oh, big G, about God bringing the Gentiles to the light. Why? Boy, now you got to get into Christmas. See, the light has to do with Christmas. Because Christmas was the darkness that the Gentiles lived in. Let me just stick this on the board. As the sun wanes towards the winter solstice, December the 21st, in fact, this has to do with the swastika. Coming to the light has to do with the swastika. The swastika is the wheel of the year, and I brought a book with me last time, but the swastika has to do with the light. It all has to do with the crops. In fact, this has to do with the 70 weeks of Daniel. Notice how all of this comes together. The pagans believe that the sun, if this is the summer solstice here, summer solstice, and light, that's the the longest days of the year, longest days, it's called the summer solstice, longest days, Notice the tongues has to do with the 70 weeks, and that has to do with the longest days. And I get back to that. And as the sun is turning on its, not the sun's turning, but as the earth is going through its movement, as it's going through, the earth is going around the sun. Here's the sun. And as the earth is going around the sun, when you get when it gets over here, you've got you got different places for it to be. 
the earth this earth is going in its path around the sun and it tilts at 23 degrees i believe it's 23 degrees and as it's going through there when you get over here you're going into winter and when it gets down here you're back to coming out of winter into the spring and then you're into summer you're heading into fall well this is the way the pagans saw it here's how they saw it they would check the big dipper every every uh, three months they check the big dipper and the big dipper like june the third it would be here and then over here it would be this would be three months later and it would be like so and over here it would be these are imaginary lines here because right above the earth was the pole star or the north star and then it would be like so and if you go online and you look up Big Dipper in the stars this is what you'll see or look up swastika in the stars look up swastika in the stars it'll bring this up and what they wanted to do you're going into winter here winter they'd come to September the 3rd and at midnight they'd check the Big Dipper at midnight and they worshipped the sun gods and the tree goddesses in the darkness of winter when you got to the winter solstice solstice that was December the 21st and they believed the sun since the the earth was on its axis going around and around and this is what they were seeing and then they had the winter solstice the 21st and they said since the sun looks like it's burning out they had a festival at rome called the feast of saturn or the saturnalia and saturn was the father of the gods father of gods And these pagan Gentiles, they had their festival starting with with the time halfway between the summer solstice and the winter solstice. Winter solstice. And the sun would be getting dimmer and dimmer. You'd end up here in the I can't think of the name of it. I'm going blank on something. What is what is that in the middle of the winter, Mike? Yeah, this 
the the not the solstice the the what equinox I couldn't think equinox sometimes I just go blank I'm sorry you had the you had the winter equinox equinox means equal night nox means night and they had 12 hours in the day and 12 hours in the night but then the sun began to really wane here in middle Tennessee the sun goes down at the summer solstice about uh, 8.45. At the winter solstice, the sun goes down here in middle Tennessee about 4.45, about four hours earlier. And they thought the sun was burning out, so they had to appeal to the father, the god Saturn, that the sun would come back and they said, and the sun began to wax greater right after the winter solstice. So they said, this is the birth of the, the birth of the sun god. And they said, we have to have a birthday for him. They called him Natalis Solus, Solus Invicti. This means the birth, nativity, of the unconquerable sun. Because they said it had to be born again and again and again. Had to be born over and over every year. So they had this, they had their festivals in the darkness after the equinox. The winter equinox was on October 31st. And they called that they had all of these named these festivals and their whole purpose was get the they would check this every three months September 3rd, December the 3rd and uh, March the 3rd and June the 3rd and this is what they would see at midnight they had them a swastika Sioux and notice how this ties in with the dark and the light and that's why Paul would say to the Ephesians that was a Gentile church that was a Gentile church and he'd tell them tell the Ephesians you are Gentile heathen bunch of people and you were darkness you were Gentile. You were darkness, but God brought you to the light. Walk as children of light. So all of the pagans, the Gentiles, <clears throat> their festivals would start here in October. The big super festivals. That was what they called uh, all. Ha- the Roman Catholic Church got a hold of it. All Hallows Eve. Eve. And that was the festival of the, uh, can't think of the people, going a lot of blank tonight. That was a festival of All Hallows' Eve, or it was a festival here in, at the end of September, right in this area. And they said they had to feed, we call it, we call it Halloween, and uh, they said they had to feed the gods so they'd leave out leave out cake or something or cookies or bread. 
and they did the same thing at the Feast of Saturn. Well, all of their big festivals was here at All Hallows Eve or at Christ's Mass, and they were in the dark. Their festivals were in dark, the darkest time of the year, that end up getting back to the the spring equinox, which would start the festivals of Israel. Festivals of Israel and Israel's festivals would start at this 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 spring equinox, and Israel's festivals would increase the light. And the pagan Gentiles were in darkness. And their festivals would end with Mardi Gras going to Ishtar. So when Paul would say, you were darkness, but now are you light in the Lord, you're partaking of the covenant of God now. The covenant of God was over in Deuteronomy 28. He says, if you are, if you're obedient to me, I'll fill up your fields during this light time of the year, but you were serving in darkness, and now you're light. And he says that to all of these churches that Paul wrote to, and Paul wrote to the Gentiles. He was a missionary to the Gentiles, and they were in darkness. They were in darkness or in prison from Adam until Jesus. The Gentiles were not given the truth or the light all the way from Adam until Christ. And then in Acts 2, the eyes were opened to all flesh, all men. And when the Bible would speak that God would have all men be saved, that would be Paul writing to Timothy who was pastoring the church at Ephesus, a Gentile church. And he'd tell them, you were darkness, now you're light. God walk as children of light. And because Israel went after this system in the Old Testament, the system of Baal and the grove, which was the same thing as the gods of these darkness, God says, I'm going to blind the eyes of the Jews, and I'm going to bring the Gentiles to the light, I'm going to bring the Gentiles out of prison to Christ. Now, you can't explain the spirits in prison by saying Jesus went down to hell and preached to the people of hell. It's just stupid. I didn't know Pat Robertson didn't have any more sense than that. But do you know that Kenneth Copeland teaches that? Can you imagine walking to hell and this, and you open the door to hell and say, would anybody like to come out of there? And they're going, ah! And no, we like it here. What craziness, the kind of stuff they teach in some of these churches. Now, let's go over here to Isaiah. Isaiah was preaching when northern Israel was carried into captivity. He was preaching when they were carried away in 722. Isaiah preached for 20, excuse me, for 50 years preaching to, preaching to Israel because they'd gone after this 
system of darkness. Now, go over here to Isaiah. I don't know why no preachers have ever even seen this. It just astounds me that they haven't seen all the things that that Isaiah said about coming to the light. Now, all right, Isaiah, the 42nd chapter. The 42nd chapter is my favorite chapter about the Gentiles coming to the light. Now it says here, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is the same thing as the Holy Spirit in the New. It's truth. And he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard. In the street a bruisery shall he not break. And the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. And he shall not fail nor discourage till he have set judgment in the earth. And the isle shall wait for his law. Thus saith the Lord. The Isles waiting for the law of God. That would be everybody outside. That was an island like the United States. We'd be an island compared to them. Thus saith the Lord God, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth, and He that which cometh out of it, He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein, or truth. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and I will hold thine hand, and I will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. I'm going to bring them out of prison. I'm going to bring them to truth. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. That's the Lord saying, I'm going to bring the Gentiles to the light. He doesn't say that just once. Look over here at 46, 6. Isaiah 46. I don't think I can get through this because this connects Christmas, 70 weeks, the tongues, the light, predestination. All these things I put down here and a whole lot more. It puts them together. The word utterance has to do with speaking the light. And we'll, if we can get to that, we will. 46 and 6. <clears throat> Isaiah 46. Not 46. I've got the wrong thing. 47. Excuse me. No, not Isaiah 46. 49 and 6. I don't know what I'm thinking of. 49 and 6. Yeah. 49 and 6. And he said, Isaiah speaking, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. 
The Gentiles were in prison. They weren't preached. The gospel wasn't preached to them. That thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. That's the same thing that Habakkuk said that God's word would be throughout all the world. I, I could go to a dozen verses right there. Zechariah said the same thing. said he'll be throughout all the earth. Isaiah the 11th chapter says the same thing. Then he says here in verse 9. Well, let's read 8 and 9. Thus saith the Lord in an acceptable time. Acceptable time. That's what Jesus said when he stood there in Luke 4, 18. That thou mayest say to the prisoners, Go forth to them that are in darkness. Show yourselves that they may feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all high places. And look at verse 22 of that chapter. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles, because Israel has rejected me, and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons and their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. Look here at 50 and 10. Isaiah 50. 50 and 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Then you'll be in the light. Look here in 54 and 3. For thou shalt break on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles. And make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Look at 60. 60. 3. 60 and 3. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light. Isaiah is talking about the Gentiles coming to the light all the way through this book. And kings to the brightness of thy rising. Look here at verse 5. Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. It actually means armies and so forth. Verse 11. Therefore, this is 16 and 11, Therefore thy gates shall be opened continually. They shall not be shut day nor night, that men shall bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles, and that their kings may be brought. Look at verse 16. I could stop and go through this in detail, but I wouldn't have time to even finish it. Thou shalt also suck the milk of the Gentiles, and shalt suck the breast of kings. And thou shalt know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Then look here in in uh, verse 60 and 1. This is the verse that Jesus quoted when he stood up before the Pharisees in the Luke 4 and 18. He quoted this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. They came to him and he asked him, Would you like to say something, Rabbi? He said, Yes. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings. Good tidings is a word that's been translated gospel there in Luke, the third chapter, uh, speaking of the birth of Christ. Preach the good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty to the captives. Look over at, hold your place there, and look at Luke 4 and 18. Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus in red letters. He's quoting that. He's quoting from Isaiah 61 and 1. The amazing thing, when they would stand up in the temple and expound they would they would take the speech where the previous rabbi left off and when they called Jesus up it was his turn to announce himself at just the right time how could that be God had to arrange his stepping forward that day Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor Tokas emptied out. Emptied out. And he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That would be the and preach deliverance to the captives. How does that fit in with the Gentiles coming to the light? Deliverance, the Pentecostals will take this verse and say, We had a had a semi-famous music country music star tell me we had a deliverance ministry on this guy and he's giving me this verse had a deliverance ministry we stood over him for 12 hours till we finally delivered him <laughs> this word deliverance is the word ah forgiveness and that's amazing the way the bible worded it he hath anointed me to preach deliverance to the spirits in prison. The, gens, the Jews had refused Jesus, so he blinded their eyes. And he says, now we're going to the captives. We're going to bring the light to them. And recovering of sight to the blind, that was the Gentiles in the Old Testament. They were blind in the Old Testament. Because they, they were forbidden for having the truth, except for a certain few people, except for Nebuchadnezzar, Rahab the harlot, Ruth, she was a Moabite. He would enlighten certain people's eyes, but not all of them, not on the whole, and to set at liberty those that are bruised, throw, crushed. Now, let's go back over here to Isaiah 61, 1. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to these captives in prison, which are the Gentiles, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, forbidden. And then he says here in verse 9, 
and their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people all that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed then you look over here in Psalms 60 uh, Isaiah 65 he says the same thing at the beginning of this I am sought of them that ask not for me that's the Gentiles I am found of them that sought me not. The Gentiles didn't seek him. God's going to have to open their eyes. I said, Behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. That's Gentiles, isn't it? I have spread out my word. The funny thing about this right here, this is repeated in Romans 10 which is a Gentile church. Look at Romans 10, verse 20. You can't get a simple answer to the spirits in prison. Romans 10 and verse 20. 10 and verse 20. Isaiah is very bold and saith, says the same thing, Paul is writing to a Roman church. And Isaiah, he said, Isaiah says, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. And he's talking to a Roman Gentile church when he says it. And he says, that's you. All right. In this whole chapter, I've spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, a people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face. Who's he talking about? Israel. Kept going after Baal in the grove and Shemash and Moloch and all those gods of darkness worshipped in here. He said, now the Gentiles were in the dark. I'm bringing them to the light. I'm bringing them to God's festivals the Passover, Pentecost, the Feast of Ingathering. That's amazing how that fits. That all of these are in darkness. And you got Halloween and Christmas and Mardi Gras and Easter, which are all the same thing in different cultures. I don't have time to go into all of them. But y'all know that. I preached on this before. Now, I can't remove it and separate it from predestination because predestination means to predetermine for the light. And he said that to a Gentile church. I pre- predestination is about predetermining the Gentiles for the light. That's what he told Rome. That's not as hard as it looks. You were worshiping in darkness, Gentiles. But I brought you to God's light and you're going to partake in his gospel. God's light was the season of the crops. And that was March, April, all the way to the end of the harvest. Gosh, what else could I tie into this? A festival every three months, or every month, they had a new moon festival, and they'd have a feast at that and at the end of these festivals a seventh month Tishri uh, 
September, October, God would have the end of the harvest, or they would have the end of the harvest in Israel. So they'd separate the sheep from the goats and the wheat from the tares, wheat and tares. And that's exactly what will happen at the end of time, at the last trump. There we have to fit the last trump in there, don't we? We're going to be changed at the last trump. They had seven trumpets. You got seven trumpets in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. I can't keep my mind off all of this. It just goes... God's word is actually one word. It just goes... just comes around and fits right back in. It locks into each other. Do you all see this? I just wonder if you see it, because I can see it all just locking together. All right. How much time do I have, Mike? 37. What? 37. All right. Maybe I can get on with this. In 65, he says, I've spread out my hands to people, a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good. It wasn't my ways after their own thoughts. Went after, went after Bell in the grove. And he said, A people that provoke me to anger continue to my face, that sacrifice in garden and burneth incense upon altars of brick, which remain among graves and lodge in monuments, which eat swine's flesh. Israel didn't pay any attention to what God was saying. And broth of abominable things is in their vessels. And this is what Israel says. Which say, Stand by thyself, come not near me, for I am holier than thou. You thought that was a saying, didn't you? It comes out of the scripture. Israel said, God loves us. He picked us out. He loves us better than you. They were all, they were acting like Tommy Smothers. I don't know if you remember Tommy Smothers. Hey, Mama, he said, Mom, I always loved you best, talking to Dickie. And that's what they're saying. But it goes all through here and tells about God rejecting Israel. Down here in verse 11, he says, God's rejecting you, Israel, and turning to the Gentiles. But ye are they that forsake the Lord, that forget my holy mountain, that prepare a table for that troop. The word troop is the word gad. It's amazing what it means. It means to distribute fortunes. Boy, that's amazing. They're going after distributing fortunes after and to that and furnished drink offerings unto that number. The word number is M E N I Y. Mine, the reason it's called numberer is because Mine was an old ancient title for the moon god always represented in the form of a moon and the moon numbered the seasons so that they were worshiping the lord moon and then he goes on to say therefore i will number you i will number you to the sword and you shall all bow down to the slaughter because He's talking to Israel. When I called, you did not answer. When I spake, you did not hear. He's telling the reasons why he's calling the Gentiles to the light. But did evil before mine eyes that and did choose that 
wherein I delighted not. Therefore hath thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but ye shall be hungry, Israel. Who is his servants? Behold, my servants shall drink, but ye shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but ye shall be ashamed. Behold, my servants shall sing for joy of heart, but ye shall cry for sorrow of heart, and shall howl for vexation of spirit. And ye shall leave your name, Israel, for a curse unto my chosen. Who's his chosen? What he tells Ephesians, he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holding to that blame before him in love. And he told the Thessalonians, God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. He's referring to the Gentile church here. For the Lord God shall slay thee and call his servants by another name, Gentile church, spiritual Israel. That he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in God of truth. And he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by God of truth. Because the former troubles, old Israel, that went after Baal in the grove, are forgotten because they are hid from my eyes. Now, what is the subject here? God's rejecting Israel. And the next verse says, I create, behold, I create new heavens and new earth. When you go study heavens in the McClintock and Strong, open up the H volume, look at heavens. It says the political state of things. Heavens was the ruling class. I didn't say that. They'll go through that in great detail, the heavens. Was Israel the heavens? Well, yeah. Were they the ruling class? God said, all you have to do is be obedient to me in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy and the 15th chapter of Exodus and the 26th chapter of Leviticus. If you obey me and keep my laws, do everything I say, this is also true for us. He says, you'll have plenty of food to eat. Your storehouses will be full. Everything you have will flourish. Your children will be born healthy. They won't be stillborn. And you'll go against your enemy one way, and there'll be seven ways, and it doesn't matter how many there are. They gave up their ability to conquer the world when they quit serving God and went after these sun gods, these gods of darkness. Israel went after the same gods that the pagans are going after. When you read the ninth chapter of Ezra, the first two verses it talks about going after the gods of the Amorites, the gods of Perizzites, gods of the Ammonites. Tell about them going after all these gods. Hundreds of gods of the of the Egyptians. And why did they do that? Because those gods didn't require a sabbatical year every seven years where they couldn't reap anything. They couldn't plant nothing in the seventh year, a year of a Sabbath, sabbatical year. We're not going to do that. We'll just get us other gods. And Hosea, the second chapter, says they gave credit to their lovers for their corn and their wine. <laughs> to their lovers. Who was their lovers? Their gods. Me of Esau. Of what? Of Esau. 
of Esau. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Now, goodness. Now, what are the new heavens? The new heavens is a new government. That will be the church. These are the same words that you find in Revelation 21st chapter. I don't know why people think that that heaven is going to be a great big cube that comes down out of the sky and settles around Jerusalem because it says, I saw new heaven and new earth. What's a new heaven? The Gentile church. The earth was the ruled. How do we rule the world? With a scepter of righteousness. How did, let me put it this way. How did Israel lose their power over the world they quit bowing to the will of God right we rule with a scepter of righteousness and the word righteousness is e-u-t-h-e-t-o-s it's not the normal word for righteousness it means a you well tithomai means to level when we level to God we become the ruler of people because they don't want to hear predestination God doesn't love everybody Christmas is pagan you'll have people running away from you you're actually ruling them and there is a new heaven and that is us I don't know why people don't see this for the first heaven and the first earth will pass away and there's no more seed not in this heaven that we're in and John I John saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband what's the bride of Christ the church church. what is heavenly Jerusalem in Hebrews the 12th chapter what is it's the church of the firstborn he's not talking about literal Jerusalem and a big cube he's talking about the church this is showing the new church is birthed from heaven from above you must be born again anothen which means above from above so what this is talking about I don't know if you can remember all this but it's a lot of stuff stuff I'm just going to call it a lot of stuff that word's in the Bible I love the third chapter of the third chapter of Revelation I read it recently but I love this third chapter of Revelation says the same thing that the 21st chapter says it says in verse 12 him that overcometh remember overcometh is the verb form of victory overcometh n-i-k-l n-i-k-l that's overcome that's a verb form of nike that's the word victory and faith is the victory that overcomes the world death to self overcomes the world so when he says 
He that has faith will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Now, if, is he going to make you out of marble or make you a pillar out of terrazzo? That's pretty. It's a mixture of a bunch of stone. That's, the reason I know what terrazzo is, I worked in a ceramic tile warehouse. <laughs> That's funny. And he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God. That's the same thing it says over here. It's not a literal city. It's the church, isn't it? I've got to just read this other to you over here. And notice how they all go together in Hebrews in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, this shows you this is all coming together. I can't hardly get away from one of my messages into another without starting up on everything else I've been saying. For we are come to the mount that might be... We're not come to the mount that might be touched. In other words, a mount, we're coming to, in verse 22, we're coming to Mount Zion unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's what it said in, in the 21st chapter, didn't it? To the heavenly Jerusalem, to a numerable company of angels, angel, angelos, messengers, to the general assembly and church. Of the firstborn. We're predestined to conform to the image of his son that we be the firstborn. Notice all these words match up and they tell you what the truth is. Now go back over here to Isaiah. Isaiah, 65th chapter. But we're still talking about the light because they're coming to the light, aren't they? If I don't get through this tonight, I'll get through it next week. I hope. So he says, I'm going to have a new Jerusalem. I'm going to have a new heaven. New heaven means a new governing class. That's us. All you have to do is start talking to somebody about predestination. They'll run away from you. Just like you're a, like you're a governor. You're governing the situation. I tell the story about I was in real estate one time and this this old Marine retired Marine sergeant I don't mean to offend him, he just just kind of ignorant to have retired from the Marines. But I was going by this one real estate company to pick up a key. You'd go pick up a key and go show a house. And he come out, and there was three plastic women sitting over here on the couch waiting to go show their houses and their super cars out there. And uh, he come out, and he's trying to show off to those women. He said, I feel great today. I just feel great. I said, well, you must have Jesus in your heart. And he, boy, he just embarrassed him so bad he started cussing. No, blankety, blankety, blank. He wanted to impress those women. I know what he was doing. I said, you must have Jesus in your heart. And he started cussing. I said, well, I can tell you you don't have Jesus in your heart. But what's coming out of your mouth, or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He said, i got to get out of here. And he just ran, practically ran out the door. That's what ruling people with a rod of iron is about. You can run people off from you simply by talking about the truth. 
And that's one thing I've learned to do, and it upsets some people. Now, we're still talking about the Gentiles coming to the light. I got to put in, let me put this in over here in Isaiah 66, 12. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall you suck, you shall be born upon her sides, and be dandled upon her knees. Then he says down here in verse 18, And and I will know their works and their thoughts, and it shall come, and I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. I'll gather all nations. The word nation and the word Gentile, the word Gentile and the word nation are the same word. Y'all remember that word? No, that's ethnos in the New Testament. Huh? Goyim, yeah. G-O-Y-I-M. Goy is singular, I am is plural. Goy and ethnos in the New Testament. That's why you can look up nations and God has got the Gentiles pointed out. I don't know why they translated nations and Gentiles two different words. They're the same word in the Greek, the same exact word in the Hebrew. Goy, what's funny about Goyim, it will say Gentiles... Or a flight of locusts, <laughs> like that. A flight of locusts. Well, locusts would come in and destroy the food crop in Israel. And that's what God called Nebuchadnezzar. That these scorpions would come from the east, or this flight of locusts would come from the east and carry us away into captivity. They use so many idioms and metaphors. Now, I don't know whether anybody is even, I never heard anybody preach this stuff to, to lock together like this. Now, I got to give you one other word here. Go over to Malachi 1. That's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi 1 and he said the same thing verse 11 verse 11 for from the rising of the sun even the going down of the same my name shall be great among the Gentiles the earth shall be full of his knowledge and glory as waters that cover the sea that's what that's talking about the church will be all over the world and I've got a bunch of verses on that that I don't have time to get to. And look at verse 14. But cursed be the deceiver who hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrifice unto the Lord a corrupt thing, for I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts. My name is dreadful among the heathen. He says, you offer the blind for sacrifice in verse 8. Isn't that evil? They were supposed to offer every tenth lamb but even if it's your favorite lamb, when you count to ten, you can't substitute anything for it. 
I keep saying if your favorite lamb is fluffy, she has to go to the slaughtering block. You can't say, well, here's an old crippled one. We'll offer that. Malachi said, that's what you're doing, Israel. Now, I got to go over here to... I may have to come back. I saw all of this fitting together with the light. Or with predestination, prohorizo, to pre-lighten. Go over here to Paul's job. Look here in Acts. First of all, before we go to Acts, let's go to Galatians, the second chapter. Galatians, the second chapter. Verse 7. And contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision, uncircumcision was the Gentiles or the heathen, the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me. This is Paul writing. Paul said, I have had the commission to preach to the nations, to the Gentiles was committed to me and the gospel of the circumcision was given to Peter well look over here Paul is at the end of his journeys in Acts the 26th chapter Acts 26 Acts 26 he's standing in front of Agrippa he's at he's at the end of his journey he's actually standing he's answering Agrippa concerning uh, his his Damascus Road experience and Jesus he tells Agrippa in verse 15 Jesus said who art thou Paul said who art thou Lord and Jesus said I am Jesus whom thou persecutest now rise and stand upon thy feet for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose here's your purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of those things which thou hast seen and of those things which I will appear unto thee. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, from the ethnos, from the nations unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes. The same thing Jesus said in Luke 4.18 same thing that the Old Testament Scripture says it was Jesus and Isaiah 61 and 1 deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee I'm sending you to the nations to the ethnos to open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light how's that to bring them out of prison And from the power of Satan, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness, Ephesus, means to pardon and release from prison. I'm sending you to Gentiles to bring them out of prison and to give them the light. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me 
And what is their inheritance? Well, Colossians says in Colossians, the first chapter, look over in Colossians. So they have to receive an inheritance. Is Colossians a Gentile church? Oh, yeah. All of them that Paul wrote to were Colossians, the first chapter. I don't know if you can absorb all this, but it's a lot of stuff. Now, what did I say? Colossians, the first chapter. I'm sitting here thinking. All right. Colossians, the first chapter. And Paul said, I've come to give them inheritance. Here's the inheritance that they get. Verse 12. This is to you, Colossians, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet, worthy, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Do you see that? What did he say to the Ephesians? Gentile church that didn't have no chance before God blinded the eyes of the Jews. He says to them in Ephesians, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, uh, where do I want to start here? Goodness sakes. Verse 8, Ye were darkness, Ephesians, you celebrated all these gods here, but now are you children of light. Now you are light, walk as children of light. It, every, it seems like everything ties together. Let me show you something else. Go over here to... Uh, go back over to the 26th chapter... 26th chapter of Acts. Twenty-sixth chapter of Acts. What you do is you look up enough of these words till they begin to fit together. And Paul goes out of Agrippa's presence and he's sent to Festus. Festus is also another governor. Verse 24. And as, he, as Paul thus spake himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're beside yourself. You're nuts. Beside thyself means to be crazy. Means to rave like a maniac. Maniomai. M-A-I-N-O-M-A-I. M-A-I-N-O-M-A-I. Beside yourself. You're crazy. He says it loud. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth. This has to do with the light. Speak forth the words of truth. That's truth. That's light. And soberness. Sophrone. S-O-P-H-R-O-N-E. S-O-P-H-R-O-N-E. Sophronay means sober. Before in Luke eight, when they came and found the man 
possessed with demons sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. The word right mind is so for day. He was sane. Paul said, I am sane. That man was insane. He was possessed with devils. Possessed with devils. Demonism, I-D-A-I-M-O-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. When you look up possessed with devils in the in the McClinic and Strong, it will tell you demonism means to be insane. Paul said, I'm not insane. I am sober and I speak forth. Speak forth has to do with light. Has to do with light. Do I have any time? I ain't going to get through this. <laughs> I can't get through it. It's too much. Have you noticed how everything is related to everything else? Speak forth is the word. Apo. P-H. T-H-E-G-G-O. M-A-I. That's speak forth. Means to speak so clearly as to be easily understood. That's the same word that's used over there in Acts the second chapter there where they all spoke with other tongues, heteroglossa. As the Spirit gave them utterance, it is the word apophathangomai. The same word is speak forth. And when the Bible says in verse 14, Acts 2.14, Paul lifted up his voice and said, said is the word it means to speak clearly or enlighten. Enlighten. To enlighten means to shed light. Shed the light of truth. Now they could be shedding the light of truth if they're garbling words going No. It was something easily understood. It was speaking forth, and it's not drunkenness. They're not drunken, as you suppose, being as what the third hour of the day. It was only 9 o'clock in the morning. Any Jew, even a slug Jew, a drunkard Jew, wouldn't be found drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. Huh. Then, gosh, I can't get through this. It's so much. This word... Apophthingamai means to enunciate plainly, declare plainly. And it's from this word, Phthingamai means to utter or to speak. Phthingamai. And Phthingamai, Apo means to set off, to set off plain speech. In fact, the word plain speech comes from that word. And that means to enlighten or shed light upon. I've got so many of these. 
And phthengomai, it is, comes from a word, phos. The word phos means to shine. Phos. Phos, for us, Phosphorus, this thing goes on and on. Foster means to means lights. Phosphorus is the word day star. Shines in the hearts of the believer in Second Peter one and nineteen. That means the day star, and they call the day star. That's what they call the morning star. And Christ is the morning star. And the morning star to the ancient world was the was the Pleiades, and boy, that gets right back to Deuteronomy twenty-eight. Pleiades, and the and the ancient world said the Pleiades brought up the fruit in the vine. Back to Deuteronomy twenty-eight, aren't we? If you bow to me, I'll give you the morning star of the Pleiades, and you'll have the fruit of the Spirit. This goes on and on and on. The Lord told Job, Can you bind the sweet influences of Pleiades and loose the bands of Orion? The old masters back then said the Pleiades, it came out, in the spring that's the first time they could see it it was the seven stars worship him that maketh the seven stars in Orion don't worship the seven stars that's what Amos the fifth chapter tells us worship him that makes the seven stars and when you do you'll have all that you need in the land take no thought for your life what you'll eat or what you'll drink or how you'll be clothed the Heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. All these things is food and clothing and a place to lay your head. All these things don't mean Cadillacs and big fancy cars and whatever you want. It's not what it means. The whole context of that verse, those verses right there in the 6th chapter of Matthew, is food and clothing. It's not like the Pentecostals say, say, if you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things, cars and stuff and things are yours. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about food and clothing. I got to come back to this. Have I got any time at all? Uh, two minutes. Huh? Two. Two minutes. I got to come back to this because I can't finish this. There's too much to it. Everywhere you find light, that's truth. There's no darkness. I never understood this till I studied Christmas and I saw the pagan festival started at Halloween in the middle of the winter. Or going into winter, going to the end of the harvest. And the Jews were in the light. Their seasons were the... Their festivals, Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Ingathering, and all of their their festivals where they would gather all their vegetables and fruit and wheat and so forth were in this area 
and the pagans were in this area over here when he would tell the Gentile churches you were darkness but now you light in the Lord now you're in the covenant of God the covenant of God had to do with the food with the, with the clothing and God says I'm going to take care of you I can't I've got all these verses on darkness you'd have to study all the words, verses on darkness in the Old Testament I just challenge you to do that, this take your concordance Make a copy of light and darkness and go through and just in Gentile and nations and go through Isaiah and see what he has to say about all of it. Isaiah is talking about the Gentiles coming to the truth. And that's that's us, isn't it? That is you and I. We're Gentiles. And without the Jews, remember Romans 11 and 11. Did the Gentile, did Jew, the Israel stumble just to stumble? God forbid. They stumbled and went after these gods so the Gentiles would come to the light. God planned their stumble. Well, that's hard to get a hold of, but I believe that because the Bible says it. Romans 11, 11. I'll come back. If I go over some of these things twice, I don't believe you get it the first time around. Can you see how all of this ties together? It blends. Light has to do with righteousness. Darkness has to do with unrighteousness. Light has to do with serving God and getting... Your prosperity is not going to be in money and things. It's going to be spiritually. Okay. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. I don't know how to express this, Lord. It's just overwhelming to me. I pray you'll give us strength to get a hold of it. Encourage us. Fight our battles. Give us strength. Some of us need special strength. Mary needs strength. I don't know where to go concerning this except to you. fight our battles it's part need and and overcome our enemies we'll give you praise for everything in Christ's name amen I hope that wasn't too many things that I hope you can understand it it's a lot huh got a big pit it's if you'll notice everything God says everything else has to do with it somehow Davis
Hey, Brother Jim. David, what are you doing? Love you, brother. We were on like 3.30 in the morning and 3 in the afternoon. Like an hour of Mexican thing. But it's, that's cool. But then a new, a locally produced program comes in and they took us off. And never, we never.